Hey, it's Matthew Peterson. Welcome to the show. Uh, today, we're just doing two segments, uh, but two good ones near and dear to the heart. Um, first is new media. You know, if you think about what digital media is, what does that mean for kind of the cutting edge of the future, the real future, uh, long term? Everything's all messy now. We're still in the beginning of you know the digital age. Uh, but I want to talk about some things that I really think are true. Uh, three different aspects of new media that are that are huge and that arise out of the nature of digital media. If you understand what it is, I don't think a lot of people are talking about it. So I think you might find it interesting. Uh, it might help you uh, invest. It might help you. I uh, just conceive of uh, the future and what digital technology is, but that's the first segment. Second segment is who is in the new coalition? Um, you know, I've, I've done this before, but I'm going to keep doing it. I see four different groups that are coming together into a new coalition that breaks down old barriers. And you need to think about that as you move forward. If you want to persuade people, if you want to join this movement, if you want to push things forward, we want to revitalize civilization, uh, restore an American way of life in the 21st century that's worthy of the name. We need to think about who's the audience. And too many people are stuck in like, oh, there's us versus them and this group and that group. And I, I this is a broad coalition. And and I, you know, I this is what I'm doing. I'm, we're going to put together a broad coalition to retake America. So I talk about the four, four different um, constituencies in the second segment. Uh, so, uh, you know, the only way out is through. Let's get on with the day. Let's get on with the show. I want to just say a few words about um, the new, uh, you know, the new media uh, in digital world and kind of where things are going. Um, you know, it, we're very early on in the melting down of old things um, because of digital technology, the digital environment. Um, we haven't really even grappled with what this technology is. Um, memory and retrieval, as uh, James Polis and some others I know uh, say and have grabbed onto. I mean, what the technology ultimately is, digital technology, is the ability to encode, right, to memorize. To, to, it's, it's memory. On grains of sand, you're, you can you can encode whatever you want, whatever kind of information you want. So, video and audio, uh, text, whatever you're encoding it, you're you're putting it into the silicon, the grains of sand, and then you're you're going to retrieve it anytime you want. And when you do that over time in, in combinations, like when you ask questions, uh, you get AI, right? Um, so it's not just static. Um, you can. Um, you can instantaneously almost right ask these questions of uh, of the information that's encoded and, and, and it, algorithms will combine it in different ways and pull out different aspects of what's uh, what's encoded into the grains of sand. It's memory and retrieval, digital technology. That's ultimately what it is. So it includes video. It includes audio. Right. It subsumes all of that within itself. And that is. Um, that has profound uh, effects, profound impact, right, on uh, human society and human institutions. And, you know, I could go on and on about this, but uh, the, the point I want to make is, you know, why haven't you ever heard that before, what I just said? Digital technology is memory and retrieval. It's a profound point. It's definitely true. I think if you think about it, we can talk about it more. Uh, why haven't you heard that before? Because we're stupid. Uh, it's a retarded society. I mean, it... Uh, we don't think about technology in a serious way. Um, we just adopt it and hurdle on and think about it afterwards. And this is to a large part, in my mind, the intellectual rights fault. They just don't think about material things or real things very, very much at all. 
Um, it's more like the, the mainstream contemporary thinkers used to used to think about this in a, in a more serious way. Uh, in any event, um, you know, the Academy is a crap show anyway. Here's what I want to say, though. What do you think about this? Um, if digital technology is memory and retrieval, all right, um, this new world, new media world, and digital is bringing about will be, uh, will, will I think, be more continuous chronicles of things over time and extended researches. Uh, my historical example, rather than, rather than what we have now, in other words, you'd have extended research, right? Or you have chronicles over time on the same theme of what's happening. Rather than our ephemeral and random, you know, articles that just kind of appear, they appear in a paper every day, all over the paper, you know, throw the paper away, and the next day you get some more. Um, it, it'll be more scribal, um, as James, as Polis says, than, than scribbler. It's going to be more scribal, um, more monastic. But it also involves a live looking glass. That's also key, where you just see everything instantaneously around the world. Like if you watch the riots like I did on Twitch, you saw the streams of everything coming through. And uh, you could curate, right? Uh, the all-seeing eye, uh, you, you know, all this, all this live footage flowing in from around the world. Uh, ultimately, you could see a entire, you know, stations, networks of curators of live feeds. Um, uh, of course, the governments will always not want that to be the case, but that is also an aspect of, of the digital technology. So I want to talk about all three of these in the next few minutes. First, uh, continuous chronicles. What do I mean by that? Well, if you think of a newspaper now, um, it, it, it's first off, especially a local regional newspaper. Are you kidding me? I mean, they don't send their best. Uh, they don't pay very well and they're all falling apart and they're not really doing their job. Um, as opposed to, uh, a chronicle, one of the best examples of that is, uh, Matthew of Paris, uh, a long time ago, medieval, uh, knew some of the Kings and nobles, uh, because of where he was stationed and, um, in uh in the uk and if you read his chronicles it's it's kind of part drudge report like you know people said there was a dragon seen on blah, blah blah um or there was an earthquake and a lot of people died uh it's, the disasters are in there but it's also a a continuous you know account of what's going on politically and culturally over time by the same guy so it has a kind of continuity right uh, it's telling the story uh of a place and that is something in a more conscious way than, say, a newspaper does. So, in other words, if you if you, you know, bring us back to the medieval, if you look at what digital technology might make possible as the old newspaper breaks down, it would be over time more like uh, today a blogger talking about what's going on for real in the city government. What are the real issues? What are people debating? And over time, there's layers of articles, right? entries really into the journal into the chronicle about what's going on that's where we're moving towards at best uh, and i think we should consciously try to get there um because who cares about the random articles right ultimately like if you want to know what's going on in a region you want someone to be the scribe someone to chronicle the story uh of it and then there's extended researchers uh the well yeah uh, the just real quick on the chronicles, the continuous chronicles, uh, you know, that are just solidifying like this is what happened. I mean, that very much correlates with the blockchain, right? With with tech, digital technology that allows uh, you to record things that everyone sees and then are verified and that you can't mess with. 
Uh, so the idea of, of, of chronicling what's going on in a given uh, time and place over time consistently, you know, entries into uh, the, the logbook, so to speak, I mean, that correlates with the digital technology, correlates with uh, blockchain. Uh, you're not going to get rid of it. Everyone can see it. It's verified, as we say, right? I mean, so so uh, that, that I think, is very interesting. We should lean into that in a serious way. Uh, you would want to make someone in your community and maybe a few people or the scribe, the chronicler, the chronicler. Um, okay, second, you got uh, extended researches. And I use that word uh, in a cute way because Herodotus, the first historian, the father of history, as people would say, the Greek historian, his book uh, could be translated researches. Like he wandered around and uh, told people what had happened in the past and told the story. I mean, history is a story. Um, and if you're gonna if you're gonna have a future, you need to have the depth of the past behind you. We're losing our story, right? We don't agree on our story. Any historian who doesn't like to tell stories, I mean, isn't good at it. Uh, I just kind of, I don't really respect. It's hard for me to do it. They're probably just doing some pedantic crap then. Maybe it's important in some way, but they're not a real historian. A historian is looking at the story of a people, the story of people. Um, and they're looking at this over time and they're excited about it and they can tell that story. Um, anyway, extended researchers are coming back and in an interesting way, as the academy sort of atrophies, right, uh, and, and, and just goes down the drain. And what do I mean by this? Well, you know, forget the old news, which was good in the sense that like everyone read it, it would have a big reach, the old news system in America. Um, but it was not very in-depth, and it was full of propaganda that it got away with because everyone thought it was neutral, which, uh, you know, is not, not uh, reality. There's some things you can do to be objective, but, uh, you know, it was never a neutral chronicler of, uh, it's not possible, of what was going on. What you see now, and this is a good thing, because we complain about how shallow, I complain about how shallow things are, about how dumb people are, about how... Uh, you know, we've just gotten worse and worse. We're actually a primitive society dancing on the ruins of a once great civilization. Here's something that's good, though, right? Researchers are coming back, extended researchers. What do I mean by this? Here, I mean, um, I mean uh, the podcasts, the rise of podcasts. You can see this. You have long conversations with people where you can't really hide. You can't just put out your TV from the TV era, your TV statement. Uh, which very much favored talking heads. Uh, you know, a lot of people who are just three brain cells that are all fighting each other, but they can go up and like an actor or actress and give a little talk that someone else writes for them. I mean, that's what TV made possible. That's what your your idea of a great speech is an actor or actress going up and reading something that someone else wrote. Any idiot can do that. And that's why a lot of politicians are idiots. Uh, so that's the era of TV. But now, you know, if you have to if you have to sit down for three, four hours with Joe Rogan and talk, you get a sense of who someone is. Right. I mean, that is interesting. So with people, you see the extended research is very interesting. Podcasts like this. Right. I mean, I, I keep it an hour long when it's just me. I'm going to do interviews as well. But, uh, you know, people are actually interesting, interested in, in listening for longer periods of time. Uh, you know, uh, my buddy Martyr Made, you know, Daryl Cooper, uh, great. This guy, if you don't know Martyr Made, uh, Daryl Cooper does great stuff, became big because of a thread he wrote explaining what people who were Trump supporters felt and why they thought the way they did. Um, Tucker Carlson picked up on that. We published it and in, in, in the American Mind as an article. 
Very interesting guy. But what he's doing is long, in-depth, putting together himself researches on different topics, whether it's Epstein or some matter of history. So that is uh, that is coming back in an interesting way, and it's very much related to uh, to digital technology, both melting down old kind of forms of communication uh, and media, and uh, allowing for uh, new ones. So uh, that's not a bad thing. Um, that's um, again more scribal. You know, um, anyone can be the researcher who does the researches outside of the academy of the labels. And they can put that out there for everybody and everybody can latch onto it. And they are. I think uh, Daryl said recently on Twitter he had 100,000 uh, subscribers. I mean, uh, he, he's, he's got a lot of uh, people who are, who are paying because they, they appreciate the content. This is a sort of renaissance we don't talk about enough. We don't talk about, we don't think about intentionally enough. You think about this larger scale, you know, how do we foster this? Uh, how do we, uh, how do we um, categorize or bring together and curate a lot of this content? Um, you know, this is the kind of stuff I think about. Curating this content is hugely important. Um, uh, you know, hugely important because you think about, it's all out there, like this podcast, you know, is out there. How would someone know though, um, that this is the kind of thing I might like because I like this and that? Yeah, there's some algorithms that, you know, Apple and Spotify have, but we need, um, take Substack as an example. I mean, everyone's on Substack. Uh, if you don't know, it's basically like you can hang a, hang your shingle, hang a hat, uh, put up a shingle and, and write, and they'll take care of like people paying and subscribing and the newsletter for you. Well, there's a ton of people on there. How do I know they're aligned in some way or I'm, I'm going to be interested in what they're saying? Uh, there's a huge need for a curation of uh, with good taste and an understanding of what you know the deeper elements of this commercial cultural movement are and when i say that commercial cultural movement moving in the opposite direction from the radical ideology and uh an oligarchy of the borg um so so curation is big for instance people ask me all the time and it's interesting and I've, i don't know other people who've had this happen they know that that if you're on twitter and you follow the right people you're going to be ahead of the curve. You're going to be in the conversation and know what's coming around the pike beforehand. But, you know, it's not even that they're lazy. They, they're busy. They don't want to be online. They're, you know, good people living good lives. But they've clued into like, oh, who do you follow on Twitter? Like, can you give me a list? And they're not wrong that if you follow the right people, uh, you know, on, on Twitter, uh, you can be, it's a very good thing to do. That's the real news feed you'd want uh, if you wanted to uh, just be in the game these days. Uh, but you got to know who to follow, right? So how would you curate that? How would you gather in, like, say, my feed or some other person's feed who's got some uh, insight into the moment and then put it onto a channel, you know, put it on the wall, and let other people see it. That's the kind of thing uh, I, I think about uh, a lot. Uh, curation and credentialing is huge because it's not as if everything sucks and everything's crap. There's some good stuff out there. There's there's chroniclers and there's researchers out there who are doing interesting things. And you know we can put these pieces together to create uh, the new the media of the future. Um, last thing uh, on this topic, and I'll leave it at that. There's so much to talk about here. Um, and it gets me excited because this is the world we have to build. Um, lastly, the live looking glass is is key. 
just because Twitch, uh, which, you know, is live feeds, basically became like, you know, softcore uh, OnlyFans after the riots. Uh, what happened, if you don't know, um, you know, they, they would show all these live feeds of people wandering around the riots. So it was incredible. You could see what was going on uh, from the ground. It was some of the best, you know, quote unquote TV I've ever seen in my life, actually. Um, and originally, no one's even written about this. Uh, I think about it a lot. Um, it, you know, they after after the riots, they they sort of made sure that this wouldn't happen again, because gosh forbid, you don't want people, uh, you know, seeing this live. What's actually happening in America? And then it just became like uh, you know, uh, girls in bikinis and whatnot. Uh, and I don't even I haven't looked at it in uh, you know like two years a year. I mean, it's been a while. Um, I don't think that there is actually anything out there that's doing anything interesting in live feeds in the way I'm talking about. I mean, there are uh, smaller efforts, but nothing that's big. So what's interesting here is it's not in the interest, of course, of any, any one side to sometimes have people curating live feeds. But the idea of curating live feeds is fascinating. And it's a way of uh, you know showing you the world as it is. And it's all about the curation. And I'll give you one example. I was, I was telling the guys the other day, um, there was a night where I sat down during the summer of rides, drink in hand, as you do, as I was doing then. And uh, you know, I turn it on and there's this guy who appears and he's got a drink as well. And he puts his beer down and then he goes up and, and starts like being the color commentary on four or five different riot feeds, which is fascinating to me, right? I mean, and he got a little bit better even as he, you know, was drinking. By the end, it's probably tailed off and wasn't so good. Uh, and in the beginning, he was sort of pretending to be an objective journalist. By the end, uh, by the middle, and you know, after, after two, three beers, it was pretty clear uh, he was not on the side of the rioters. Um, but he wasn't, he wasn't insane, at least the, the moments I saw of him. And what he would do is stop a feed and rewind it, right? I mean, he'd go back and say, what just happened here? He was giving you color commentary as news came in, right, from regular people's feeds. That is fascinating, right? I mean, can, can you imagine, right, being the curator everyone wants to listen to because you stop what's happening live, you go back, uh, just like your, your um, you know, you're, you're doing a sports game, you're doing an NFL game. Like, let's look at the replay. What happened there? Okay, now let's go over here. It's like the NFL network showing all the games at once. Um, I thought that was, uh, that was fascinating. And, it, and it's something that, uh, you know, the, the live looking glass, mirror, mirror on the wall, I can see anything. Um, there's always going to be a fight between that and the powers that be. But that is where it's at. I mean, if you had a new, you know, if you want to look at what the new news would look like, how do you recover, you know, local journalism or whatever, these three elements would be part of it. Live looking glass, curated of what's going on. And that could be 24-7 in different ways, just like you have cameras that just, you know, you can just see the feed. Uh, and then, then you're going to have uh, the chronicles over time. People who are actually chronicling information that matters over time it can be data, right? There's a lot of data that matters regionally, but you're just you're chronicling it over time. People ultimately will pay for that uh, because it's valuable uh, and it unlocks kind of the story of the town. Uh, that'd be much more serious than the kind of news you see now uh, at the regional, state level, or locally. 
Uh, and then the, uh, the the real scribe, the researchers, right, which is stuff people are paying for now uh, for, you know, the, 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 uh, the podcasters who are doing the work and are good at presenting information, doing the deep dives that no one else will do. Uh, the kind of the special, you know, uh, the hour long special, if you go look to TV terms. Uh, so those those three aspects are very much a part, I think, of the future. And they arise, they arose for me. Uh, because I think I, I ended up getting some insight as I talked to, to to smart people who are thinking about these things into what digital technology is. Um, and that enabled me to, you know, sort of have this framework of thoughts. There's a lot more to say. But, you know, you know so when I look at, uh, you know, the, thinking about startup world or what was, would be successful in the future, um, you know, these this is a framework that I think helps and I think it could help shape companies in the future that will do amazing things and help really move uh, the dial in a positive way uh, to, to rebuild some kind of decent civilization in the midst of these ruins. I was uh, I was talking about um, reframing a lot of the problems society's faces, uh, our society faces, um, in terms of just being a decrepit, primitive civilization. I mean, the family falling apart. Um, you know, uh, I, I mean, uh, the stupidity is one thing, that, that which will return paganism and cults and so forth. Um, that's already happening. Um, uh, you know, I mean, we have a great image of a better image of ourselves than exists because uh, the way in which we look at ourselves in the mirror is the media. And even though the media is sick and depraved, uh, it also cleans things up a little bit. So we don't see the, the pain, the suffering, uh, the breakdown of the family and all that. But what I was saying um, in the, that other segment was, uh, you know, we have to reframe that as civilizational health. It's not about social issues or. Uh, you know, traditional morality, it's how do we have a healthy and fit civilization? And I want to talk uh, today, I've done this before in one of the first episodes, but I need to do it every so often to remind people and to enrich uh, my own my own thought about it, uh, what this new coalition of people who care about rebuilding American civilization or an American way of life worthy of the name in the 21st century, you know, who are these people? What does this new coalition look like? Because it's not, you know, Republicans versus Democrat or right versus left. I don't even know what those things mean half the time anymore, even though I see the Republican Party as the only vehicle uh, that we have to push against the madness. Uh, so I, I think it's important that you see that there's a realigning coalition that cares about rebuilding civilization or American way of life in the 21st century that's you know, pro-Christian, pro-tech, uh, pro-America. Um, you, know, you can't get rid of technology and change what's going on. You have to use it in a way that makes sense. Uh, so you can't just be a Luddite. You can't be, uh, you know, uh, like my good friends in my background, a great booksy who just pretends, uh, you know, wants to suck the thumb and pretend, you know, it's going to go away. Uh, you got to be pro tech. You got to be for innovation. Life moves on. How do we harness those things for the sake of a more human way of life? Uh, how do we use technology in a way where it doesn't enslave us, but it actually does empower us, uh, regardless of the broken, you know, promises and lies of Silicon Valley? We can use technology in ways that are good to make our lives better, and we should. So um, uh, I just uh, I want to go through who cares about this and, and what does this new coalition look like? Because it's not going to be, um, you know, and look, I know a lot of people still think, well, you know, the problem is that on the social issues, my kids, if you're, if you're a little older, my kids, they just can't go Republican, and, and they really are turned off by, you know, these social issues. I hear that a lot. 
but I think what you don't realize is the kids in their 20s are increasingly looking around going, social issues or religious beliefs, I don't even know what religion is, but this crap has got to change, right? Who's going to come together for this commercial cultural movement, which is uh, in, in some ways socially conservative um, and also uh, pro-innovation and pro-technology in a way that furthers human life, pro-human, not transhuman, pro-human. I mean, sure, there's things we can do to probably help the human body uh, and mind, but but it's pro-human, right? Uh, in the way, you know, you know, Musk, Elon Musk, whatever else we can say about him, he's, he's pro-human. Uh, that that who's going to come together for this, and and uh, which is the only chance we have of of, sa of saving ourselves. Again, I'm going to say it over and over again. Right now, I have four constituencies that I want to talk about. Um, and you should be thinking about this if you're a leader, uh, if you're just regular, you know, regular life. Um, this is what gives me hope, and I see this coalition coming together. First, you know, there are Christians who um, I, I want to call out as, uh, you know, you need to get off your ass and think about how to rebuild all the cities on all the hills. Um, it's it's it, there's a there's a sense in which conservative Christians in America have been just trying to like fit in and and. Uh, you know, they want to change things for the good. They're not, I'm not talking about the cowards who go along with, with liberalism um, and change their religion accordingly. I'm talking about the people who really understand um, their faith, their church going, but they need to get off their duffs and act to rebuild the city on the hill here and now, both because it's a duty and their salvation is wrapped up with it and, and for the sake of mere survival for themselves and their families. You know, this is, this is really something... Um, that I want to go into in more depth and, and give talks about. I mean, the, the city on the hill quote, I mean, comes from scripture. Uh, this is this is Christ saying, uh, you know, you, 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 you build the city on the hill right when he says you don't hide your light under a bushel. Um, so your duty is to build the city on the hill. That's not American exceptionalism. That's what it means to live a Christian life. You should not be just in hiding somewhere, like I'll be the salt of the earth by you know, not saying anything about my beliefs and hiding and slowly moving up the chain in this society. No, you should be banding together with other people and building the city on the hill, building something that's worthy of, uh, of, of a civilization, something that's worthy of uh, civilized humans, something that shows people the kind of life that should be attractive to everybody, someone that shows a healthy way of life and therefore attracts people. Um, and, and when this, this phrase city on the hill was used in the founding of America itself, um, you know, it wasn't about, oh, look at us, we're city on the hill. It was a warning. It was a warning. Winthrop is saying, look, if you read that sermon, city on a hill, which is probably the only Puritan thing they still teach in many schools and they rip on it. Like, look, they thought they were really special, like a shining city on the hill when in fact, uh, and they thought they were exceptional and chosen by God. When in fact, what he says there is we made, think about this Christians. Think about this. He said, we made a covenant with God when we came here, uh, you know, to serve him and to unify ourselves together. And we are the city on the hill. And if everyone's watching us, to be the city on the hill means everyone's watching you. You know, they're, they're looking at the light under the bushel that you're not supposed to hide. And what he says is that means that if we screw up, which is his whole point in bringing up the, the, the metaphor, if we screw up, Everyone will know, and we'll be a laughingstock, and we'll be punished by God. And what I think is hilarious about this is like, where is that now? I mean, where's that attitude now? 
why don't why why don't I mean granted it's not a Christian country anymore um, but why don't why don't people uh, think hmm I guess uh, it's not the city on the hill is not doing so great um, but you know that's not my fault and I'm just gonna try to get along and uh, you know we can't uh, move to some other place and it's weird to combine with other people who agree with us and I, I mean I would question your knowledge of, of your faith and scripture I, I'd say you need to you need to question why you're doing what you're doing because even just for the sake of survival, like I know people who are not religious at all who are saying, what are your Christian friends doing? Like, what are they doing? They're all going to be, you know, this isn't going to go well for them. Can't they see what, what's going on in the world? And, and just just for survival, you have to band together with other people with the same beliefs. You, I mean, Christians are now in a situation much more like uh, Mormons and Jews are used to. And if you don't re- recognize that, you're going to lose it all. You're going to lose your kids unless you combine with people of like mind. This is serious now. Um you know, I don't know what to tell you, uh, but but the truth is, for the sake of your own survival, you will have to do this. If you look at what's happening to the laws in places like California, New York, you look at what happen, what's happening in the culture, uh, you know, you better just, and the good thing about it is if you do that, yeah, nothing's perfect and people are always, you know, fallen and, and, uh, and you know, both malicious and stupid, but, but at the same time, if you combine with other people, you're going to have a better quality of life, right? Uh, you're going to have a better quality of life. And so... Uh, not only is it your duty uh, to do this, according to the words of Jesus Christ, it's also what you need to do for the sake of survival. Rebuild the city on the hill, band together, and create a decent way of life for yourself and your children and your posterity. Uh, so I think that that attitude of Christian, and by the way, if you, if you believe in this stuff, right, then why aren't you leading? This is what I mean by where's the city on the hill. Where are the Christian leaders who are unapologetic about what they believe and why what they believe? Because what they believe, a lot of it, when it comes to the moral stuff, isn't even just revelation. It's also just reasonable. It's looking at human nature. Where are those people who are leading in you know, tech, say, in the sectors of our, uh, our world, our economy, and our culture uh, that, you know, why aren't we leading? Isn't there a duty there to be excellent and to be that city on the hill and to shine forth? Where are those people? I know there's a lot of grifters and, you know, just idiots, uh, and, uh, greedy, greedy people. Now is not a time to be quiet, though. Now is a time to band together and lead. If you really believe what you believe, then we would expect to have Christian leaders in politics, not people who are wringing their hands and, oh, gosh, Trump seems like a bad person and blah, blah, yeah, yeah. But what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to lead us forward? How are you going to save civilization? Where are the prophets I'd like to see one prophet out there lift their finger and condemn America from the Christian side and say, this is repulsive. What you have done is to completely violate that covenant. You have allowed, you know, all kinds of things to happen that are terrible, that are spiritually, I mean, demonic all over the place. We see this. It's a spiritual, we just put out a video in the soul of America that Joe Biden wants to talk about. Yeah, let's talk about the soul. I know lots of people who aren't religious who believe in demons now because of what they see. It is demonic. They're not even religious and they're saying that. I don't hear Christians saying it. I don't hear them condemning the sins of America. If you believe what you say you believe, then why in the hell don't I hear more about the sins of America? Oh well, the nation doesn't really matter, Matt. Um, you know, Matthew. I don't. I don't really look at it. That, 
Have you ever read the Bible? Like, riddle me this. Maybe things changed in the New Testament, all right? But riddle me this. It sure seems that in the Bible, people are like, you know, you really want to get out if you're in an evil society, because at some point it all falls apart. And granted, God's not up there just like zapping people. You know, there's no justice in this world. It's not all perfect. But after a while, like you get what you pay for. And if you do all these evils, your society falls apart and there's sort of a divine judgment. Okay. You know, maybe if you, if you don't believe in providence or, or God or any of this and you're listening, just let it be an interesting exercise, right? Uh, because you should expand your mind and, and think about what other people have believed for thousands of years. Uh, but but yet, right now, what I'm saying is you can call these Christians to account because they say they believe in providence. They say they believe in, in all these things. But yet somehow America's not going to be punished for its sins. Everything will just work out in the end. Okay. It will just work out in the end. That's great. Uh, you know, that, that kind of complacency bothers me a little bit. If it was at all true that there was such a thing as providence, if it was true that, uh, you know, there is some natural and possibly divine justice in this life every once in a while for going uh, in the bad way, I, I, would, um, I would imagine that, uh, you know, it's not looking so good uh, for the future here. Uh, and I would want to think about where do I want to live with my wife and kids and my family and who do I want to be a part of and what flag do I want to fly when it comes to whose side I'm on in the midst of this deep divide. You know, I'd like it to be known like I'm on this side and not that side. I do not believe in these things. I'm trying to live this way for these reasons. I'm going to help everybody, but I'm banding together with people of like mind over here. I kind of want him to know that. Do you? I wonder. I wonder if we believe in providence anymore. Uh, I, w I really wonder that. Uh, so, so Christians need that kind of kick in the pants because both in terms of their beliefs and you know their their sense of duty, survival, uh, they need to get off their duff and rebuild the city on the hill here and now. Um, okay. Second, our elites. And what's hilarious is you would normally say, if I was really elite in this secular society, I would have turned off this podcast by now because of all this spooky spiritual stuff that I don't believe in, right? But we live in a world in which the richest man in the world and one of the most incredible businessmen in the world who has the most interesting companies in the world, Elon Musk, is, you know, sits on the podcast of the Babylon Bee uh, with a bunch of uh, low-class Protestants, uh, our friends at the Babylon Bee, and, and jokes around with them and then sends to the Washington Post, uh, you know, a one-word response once in an email. He said, give my regards to your puppet master. Uh, and then he goes for, you know, an hour plus on the Babylon Bee. That's the world we live in now. Why? Because if you're aspiring or actually you want to be excellent or you are actually excellent, like you have some you have competency that you've honed over time, you have a disciplined uh, mentality that has led you to develop skills and competencies and uh, and and you you know you're excellent in various facets and you're striving to become a better human in different ways to be more to be stronger to be more powerful but you know this involves human excellence in a real way it's not just we're talking about actual excellence if you are elite or aspiring in that way if you want excellence and competence or virtue as we used to call it uh, over you know equity and decline equity versus excellence right equity means we're going to make everyone equal we're going to we're gonna uh, we're gonna attack excellence because we have to equalize it because all inequalities are evil, racist, oppression, or fascism, or whatever. Uh, it, you know, if you if you realize that stuff is like like the must does, the woke mind virus is not gonna let you go to Mars. 
uh, then you got to realign. You know, if you want excellence and competence over equity and decline, you must realign. If you want excellence and competence or virtue over equity and decline, you must realign. And that means finding people who agree uh, in some form of human excellence and are not crazy utopians trying to build heaven on earth here and now. That's not what the city on the hill is about, by the way. If it goes in that direction, it does become dystopian, but uh, that rarely happens in, in, a, in you know, in a, in Christianity, it doesn't even get that far, right? People are falling in a different way. Uh, but if you think you can make like heaven on earth now, uh, you got problems. And uh, you know, that's that's the good thing about Christianity if you aren't uh, religious, but you want to join together with people who will make the world a better place. Uh, because Christianity thinks heaven, the perfection of justice and virtue and everything, is in the future, and that your soul lives on, that, that you live on. Uh, and then you have, you know, even friendly transhumanists who want to live forever and also realize radical ideologues trying to make heaven in the here and now are going to screw everything up for all of us. And they can actually join forces with people who uh, who are Christian because there's actually a lot in common in terms of what needs to be done here and now and what we should be celebrating here and now. Uh, so an, an acknowledgement that, you know, strong civilization needs people who uh, who do uh, respect and, and aspire to human excellence uh, and creativity and innovation and goodness, truth, and beauty. Uh, you know, you're not going to find that with a woke mind virus or these, you know, selfish, stupid uh, aristocrats, uh, oligogs, oligarchs today. Uh, if you actually want to uh, build something great, build something powerful, like you're going to be there with tr the traditional uh, Christians and, and the history of the West. So this is uh, very interesting. Like you have to realign yourself uh, with uh, a new group of people. Who else is in that, that group? Um, well, the also, and really the hope of the future uh, is uh, our, our, our red-pilled youth. Uh, these people are the hope. Um, I, I've never, like I never thought I'd see this. And I'm not that old, you know, but, uh, but I, I, I just, I thought... You know, I, I would never see this in my lifetime. But when I see people who see more clearly at 22 years old uh, of what's wrong with the world because of because of how they grew up, they didn't have any like they, they didn't even have any any kind of religion or conservatism or anything like that. Uh, that stuff, those isms and istics weren't in their head. There was no like negative or positive there. It's just empty. Their head is just empty because they haven't been taught hardly anything. But they're just looking at reality as it is. And the kinds of things that they're saying and seeing are so far beyond. Like they're way, I don't even want to use, they're way more conservative. They're way more socially conservative uh, than most like mealy-mouthed Christians uh, because they see reality as it is. Now, they could go in different directions, but, the and, and I condemn again the church for why you're not reaching these people. I mean, there's a bunch of young men who are like, uh, I think I should probably get in shape not look at porn and reject this culture, which is all about ugliness, and try to find beautiful things and study like deeper truths. And they're called, you know, racist fascists in the media. They're like crying out if you really believe in what you believe for someone to say, yes, let me tell you more about this. And the church is nowhere on. They don't even know what I'm talking about. I mean, it, uh, it drives me nuts. So 
now, on the other hand, there are people who are Christian, there are people who are, you know, I put them in the category of elites, who realize that there's a lot of younger people who are on the ball and see something really true about the world. And these are kids who realize also that institutions are melting down, digital technology is changing everything, and they know, they know that the, the regular life of, oh, I'm going to try to be just wealthy, American, comfortable, that ain't going to cut it. And they know that there's going to need there's going to need for greatness. There's going to be a need for great actions of great souled men who do great things at younger and younger ages. If we're going to save ourselves from the declining swirl of uh, you know the ruins of this civilization going down down the drain, they know it and they see it. And you know what? They just want to join something greater than themselves. They want to. I mean, the pitch is easy for them. It's save yourselves and your future. Join us. Let's do this. Newfounding.com. <laughs> uh, but, you know, generally speaking, I'm speaking more generally, um, that is a group of people who uh, we have hope in, we need to invest in, we need to bring together, and uh, they just, they want to go kick ass. They want to do it. They get it. Um, and, uh, man, it just, it gives me hope, except for when I think about how uh, we've treated this situation where no one even knows what I'm talking about. It drives me nuts. Uh, no one can say I didn't try. Uh, we're going to do this. Uh, the last group, the last group, and I'll shut up about this. The last group you could call regular Joes. Um, you know, these are these are men who've been kind of babied by uh, the system. Uh, we've all ha we all have some of this in us. Um, I, I think these are people who it's the largest group. It's up for grabs. Um, you know. They go different ways politically. Uh, a lot of people in America are pretty ideologically incoherent. You know, if you're a smarty or you're on Twitter all the time, you know, there's right and there's left and there's blah, blah, blah. But most people, like, they have idiosyncratic uh, beliefs, right? They, they're like, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm against abortion, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, I also, uh, I vote Democrat and I think uh, X, Y, and Z about this over here. It, people are different. They have different views. It's all mixed up. Uh, I, I learned this. My favorite story about this is uh, it's an old lesson for me uh, way back in uh, grad school days. Um, I mean, I knew this beforehand because I'd worked a lot of crappy jobs and, and been around, uh, moved around the country. But my favorite story to tell about the way in which Americans are uh, think about politics is, is not what people in D.C. think, is this. I was doing opposition, well, I was doing research on a, on a city in Southern California, and I was, so we were collecting information about how the city works, basically giving an x-ray of the flow of power in the city. Um, and beware of graduate students writing papers. <laughs> they might have been making money like I was. Uh, so I go in, and there's this, this uh, my friend and I, and we're going to interview someone who we know knows a lot about the town. Uh, and she is a, uh, uh, she's a coffee shop owner. Like, she owns a little coffee shop restaurant in the center of town. So we know, like, this, she's a mover and player. And we walk in Southern California. It's out more towards the desert, and uh, you know it's got like, the, but it's like it's like hippie desert. As soon as you walk in, it's got the crystals, and you know you know right away like <laughs> this lady didn't vote for George Bush, right? So we sit down, and she's kind of like gives this vibe of, you know, so glad to talk to people who are like from grad school. Everyone around here, you know, is so conservative. I mean, that's what she was. She's basically saying that in not so many words. Like, oh, I'm glad to talk to fellow liberals because I know you must be liberal because you're in a grad school. And all, you know, I'm here in this this place with these conservatives in this podunk place. And uh, and I'm like, okay, you know, she's one of those. And we start talking. And the first question we asked about city politics, I was like, well, what's the biggest problem? You know, you see with the, with the city with the city and, and the politics here. And she just said, you know, I, I you know, Bush is terrible. I'm so glad that. 
you guys are here, you know, I'm a lib, you're libs, and we're all good. She goes, and we just kind of nodded our heads. She goes, uh, oh, the, the biggest problem with the city council? Like, oh my gosh, like these idiots don't know how to run a business. I mean, the taxes are so high. They need to lower taxes. They need to lower taxes. They have no idea. There's, there's regulations. And she sounded like, you know, a uh, uh, classic conservative. That's the way in which the majority of people think about politics and all this. And they're, look, they're not consistently thinking about it. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's the way it is. So regular Joes, I, I would call this like, these are the Joe Rogan listener types, you know, uh, they're the largest group up for grabs and they can go in different directions. They have different ideas, but they're generally, they're generally pro-American, increasingly turned off by the wokeness, although they're not consistently conservative. And you know, they're trying to figure it out and they don't like to be, they're kind of small L libertarian. Like they want to think that they're on their own side. They don't want to have to pick a side. Uh, you know, they want to watch football and enjoy their lives and say like, ah, you know, they're all corrupt and, uh, you know, politics sucks. And so they're kind of the, the, the group that's up for grabs. Now, what you notice now is those are people who they are pro-American. They, they, they understand some basic truths about what's, you know, what's gone wrong. Um, but whoever reaches them and brings them in, and they're increasingly breaking right, right, over the, since Biden, um, probably wins. Um, and I think with that type, it's that's why it's good to say civilizational fitness or health, because that actually helps them understand what you're talking about uh, when you say, uh, you know, on the on the, the moral issues or the you know sexual issues or the family. Uh, you know, it's not like I'm. We're not like preaching a sermon here. Uh, we can. But we're describing like literally you're going to collapse if you keep on doing this stuff. It doesn't make you strong. It leads to, you know, weird trannies on mind pills, uh, you know, abusing themselves and others. I mean, that's where that's that's the that's the reductio ad absurdum. That's where this is going to lead. That's the kind of thing like, you know, these guys are like, OK, you know, maybe you got a point there. Like, like Tell me more. Um, Anyway, those those are the four groups that I have in mind as uh, a new coalition that I it's not like fantasy. This is what I see coming together uh, when I go about the country, when I talk to people. So you got uh, the conservative Christians actually rising up in some way, even though I just berated them, uh, who are good people, who you are competent people who you want uh, in your business. Right. You want in your neighborhood. You want to live in their neighborhood. Uh, who wants to live in the neighborhood? Well, a lot of uh, people who are elites, aspiring or otherwise, right? You're, you're from the big blue city. You want to get the hell out to the suburbs or a red state. And guess, guess what? You want to be in their neighborhood. Good country people. Like you want to be there, uh, not the ones who are, you know, on, on drugs and suffering, but these Christian people who have their act together. That is Elon Musk of the Babylon Bee. And then who's going to join you and who's going to be the audience for this? Uh, well, there's your red-pilled youth. There's your suits online who are going, this is all... Uh, you know, dystopia. I like the way, uh, you know, both of you guys think. I, I like the idea of excellence with Elon. I like the way the Babylon Bee pokes fun at these people and understands the moral problems and the deep problems of our time. And then, and then, and then watching all of that is increasingly a bunch of, uh, you know, regular Joes who are going, yeah, no, I, I, I think I see what you're saying here. Like, I don't want the wokeness. I don't, I don't sick of them telling me what to do. And wow, you're making, you're making a point. Uh, you're making a point. And that is the kind of messy, you know, realigning coalition it looks very different than how things looked in the past. Uh, very different from from how things looked in the past. So, uh, so in any event, I, that is my uh, my my rehash of the four different groups, uh, or at least four groups. You can organize this in countless ways that I see as important in any new cultural coalition, uh, commercial cultural coalition, moving things forward. 
And I think, uh, you know, my, my hope is in laying this out. I mean, I'm giving you some of the secret sauce uh, on this podcast, but my hope is in laying this out, that it just gives you hope that you start to, you start to think outside the old boxes because you have to, it's not going to be the same. It already is not the same on the ground. Uh, and the old framework of right, left, Republican, Democrat, whatever, and how you, you were taught to think of it just doesn't make any sense. Something like what I just said is, is coming out of an organic, like, like, like uh, you know, lived reality, as they say, like going around and seeing what's happening and talking to the new leaders uh, and, and looking at what's successful and kind of the cutting edge. Um, so uh, I hope that gives you hope. I hope it helps you rethink things uh, in this uh, time where a lot of people are just uh, full of despair or, or you know, blackpilled out. Uh, there's a new coalition to build. And in order to do this, in order to put these pieces together, by the way, uh, you got to think outside, you know, I have my subgroup and I'm right. Well, you may be right. Like you and yours may be right, but you're going to have to work with other people. Like, so what's the coalition you're going to work with? Uh, you know, th this is this something like what I just described, I think, is the coalition. But, you know, agree or disagree, don't sit there and, and think like, well, it's just me and my trial. Like my, you know, my individual church of 500 people is right about everything. Um, you know, whether you're right or not, you're going to have to work with others. All right. And you're going to have to find where are the points of overlap that matter to hold together a coalition that will actually fight to rebuild uh, civilization, to revitalize culture in this moment here and now. That was uh, a, a fun episode to record. I hope you had fun listening to it. If you want to contact me, at DOCMJP on Twitter, you know, uh, give us a holler. Uh, more important, come with us if you want to live. Uh, you know, go to newfounding.com. Uh, you can become a member, support the show, and support our other efforts. Early adopters are going to have compounding benefits as we build the exciting things that we are building. And, uh, you know, I want to encourage you to, uh, to, to come aboard. Uh, it also, you know, liking and uh, subscribing and uh, reviewing and all that, it has like huge effects, right? It actually helps. So if you like the show, I know it's a pain. You're probably like, driving somewhere. It's the last thing you want to do, but it takes like five seconds. Just do it for me and move on with your life. Uh, you'll be free afterwards. Uh, so uh, with all that said, remember uh, to keep yourself uh, sober, limber, uh, and increasingly in shape because we need you to, to conquer. Uh, we're not going to win otherwise. Have a blessed day. <laughs>